You're listening to Creek Talk, a weekly podcast from Abner Creek Baptist Church where pastors and other Christians sit down to talk about all things pertaining to the body of Christ. Thanks for tuning in. All right, what's up everybody? This is Pastor Donald and I am flying solo today. No Pastor Will with me today and no guest, so it's just going to be me. And today's episode will probably be a little shorter as a result of that. Thanks for tuning in. It's been a couple of weeks. These episodes will come uh, sporadically. Uh, My goal was maybe every week, but just as the ebb and flow of ministry happens, some weeks I just don't have time to get to the podcast. But today I want to talk about uh, a more unique subject. Um, Most of these podcasts will be centered on things pertaining to the local church, not just Abner Creek, but the local church in general. So things revolving around ministry, the Christian life. Uh, But today's topic will be unique in the sense of we're going to go outside the local church and think about a Christian's perspective on what's happening in places like Ukraine right now and Russia. This is not in any way a political talk. You can turn on your news program. You can read your favorite website. Uh, If you want to get more of a political discussion or a monologue, this is not what that is. I would actually encourage you to check out Albert Moeller's The Briefing Podcast. He provides a Christian worldview on a number of issues that's happening in our culture, and um, that certainly would be a lot more political than this will be. Today, I want to talk about what's happening in Ukraine and specifically what our thoughts should be as a Christian on this. Here's the thing. I'm not looking to say anything revolutionary. I'm not looking to say anything new. I want us to be thinking on things that are are true in these times. I want us to look to God's Word. Uh, Some of us may have closer connections to what's actually happening in Ukraine than others. Uh, Some of us only see it on the news, and I trust that you are just as heartbroken as I am as you see various videos of people losing their homes, their ways of life. I think think the number now is over uh, one and a half million people are fleeing from Ukraine and seeking uh, a new home elsewhere. And so... Uh, you see images on TV, you see videos, I, I see families being split up and dads staying back to fight for freedom while families, moms, and children are going to different countries. And we here in the West, in America, most of us can only imagine that sort of thing. So it's very heartbreaking as we see these things, as we read of them, but we are not to be a people who respond in these things as if there's no hope. The reality is, this is where our Christian faith shines the brightest in showing others that there is hope even in the midst of tragedy, such as what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. And so, just a few thoughts on this. I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six thoughts on what our perspective should be. In a time like this, I'll just jump right in. Number one, I would say as a reminder to us that God has power over the nations. God has power, complete power over the nations. 
Listen to what Psalm 46 says. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. How many Ukrainians right now, Christians, are holding that verse near to heart? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, though Vladimir Putin sends missiles into their country. Psalm 46 says we will not fear. Why? There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Listen to this, Psalm 46, verse 6. The nations rage. That's happening. The kingdoms totter, it says, like a like something hanging on the very edge of a cliff, just waiting to go off. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He, God, utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. You can hear the language there of war. And the psalmist is not driven to despair. He's not driven to having a hopeless view of society. The psalmist makes the claim, God makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. God breaks the bow just as the violent one is pulling back his arrow to pierce the oppressed The psalmist says, God breaks his bow as the spear would be raised in the hand of one who would kill. God shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Psalm 46.10, a popular verse, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted In all the earth, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. How hard is it to be still when the earth gives way? When the mountains are being moved into the heart of the sea, when the waters are roaring and foaming and the mountains tremble, how hard is it? But God says, look, be still and know that I am God. This means that there is a greater reality happening in Russia and Ukraine and America and China, and all the nations of the world, though the nations rage and the kingdoms totter, be still and know that I am God. The first great truth Christians should be reminded of in times like this is God has power over the nations. Second, remember, dear Christians, God has purpose in history. God has purpose in history. Psalm 115 says this, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness, why should the nation say, Where is their God? 
Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. This is a remarkable passage of Scripture because it reminds us in moments of greatest fear and moments of greatest earth-shaking realities happening all around us, this chapter in Psalm 115 reminds us that there's a greater purpose happening here. That God is getting glory somehow, even in the lowest parts of our life. And so when we make claims like this, the psalmist expects what the skeptical would, skeptical one would say. Verse 2 of Psalm 15 says, Why should the nation say, where is their God? I mean, people are asking that, right? When tragedy strikes, people ask, where is God? Why won't he do something? Is he not powerful enough? Does he not love us enough? Has he forgotten us? And the psalmist says, you want to know where our God is? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Now, if there's ever a a verse that will hit you in the face, making you realize where you stand on the absolute sovereignty of God or not, is this verse. God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases, meaning... Everything that happens on earth happens for a reason that will bring God ultimate glory, which means if something else would bring him more glory, would please him more to exalt his name and his work in the world, he would do it because he sits in the heavens and he does all that he pleases to bring glory to himself, not to us, like the psalmist says in verse 1, not to us, but to your name give glory. So we remember in these times that not only does God have power over the nations, God has purpose in history. Purposes that sometimes we don't understand, many times we don't. But purposes we trust that he's doing what he pleases to bring himself most glory and us good. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that it's heartbreaking at times. A theme we see all throughout Scripture is this. Glory will come, but only after suffering. And this is what we trust, that in the hardest times of life, like what's happening in the lives of many Ukrainians, in the lives of many of our brothers and sisters in Europe, we trust God is doing what is ultimately bringing Him most glory and them most good. You can look to story after story in the Bible where he confirms that over and over. And he says, be still, know that I'm God, and wait upon me. God has power over the nations. God has purpose in history. Number three, Christian, remember, God is sovereign over political affairs. We don't worship a God who has decided to just stay out of the affairs of man, as if, you know, as if he is sovereign over all things, but he'll just let mankind do whatever they'd like to do for a season. No, God is sovereign even over a political, political affairs. You can turn to the book of Daniel. I would encourage you, read the book of Daniel, but just read the first six chapters and notice how the Lord is sovereign and supreme over the world's 
most powerful rulers. It's there in um, Daniel chapter 2 where Daniel is reflecting upon these things and he says in verse 20, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. Listen to what God does, Daniel 2.21. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Do you realize that beyond our comprehension, yes, elections happen. Yes, votes happen. Yes, we are responsible and held accountable by how we vote. But ultimately, under the ordaining hand of God, it is the Lord who takes down kings and sets them up. That's straight from Daniel 2.21. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness, Daniel says, and the light dwells with him. God knows every single detail of what happens in Russia right now. Every single ill motivation that Vladimir Putin has. He sees the horrors happening in Ukraine. God is intricately involved in these things, and he's working even when we can't see. He says he reveals deep and hidden things. There are deep and hidden things that we might not see yet, but one day we will. On in Daniel chapter 5, there's the wicked, powerful king Nebuchadnezzar. He struts about on his palace and he looks on the kingdom and says, look how powerful and strong I am. And God humbles him. He sends him out to the field like an ox and he grazes out into the, in the field until he's completely humiliated. And he brings restoration. And when that happens, Nebuchadnezzar says in Daniel chapter 4, again, this is one of the most wicked kings in all of history. Nebuchadnezzar said, At the end of the days, Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay to his hand or say to him, What have you done? Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. Brothers and sisters, this passage should be so encouraging to us as Christians from several fronts. One of the most prideful and arrogant kings, are, are, he's humbled by God, and he says it's God who has dominion from everlasting to everlasting. It's God who is in the, as, is, does according to his will among the hosts of heaven. No one can say to him, what have you done? Though we may not understand why he sets up certain kings, why he ordains certain events, we cannot question him. Why? Because as Nebuchadnezzar says, all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. This has been my prayer for Vladimir Putin. That God would either save him by his grace, hinder him by his mercy, or crush him in his judgment. Humble him in his path. 
God's able to do these things because, yes, God has power over the nations. He has purpose in history, and he's sovereign over political affairs. Proverbs 21.1 says, The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it however he will. In Ezra 1, I love the passage where the, the people are in, in exile. And in Ezra chapter 1, we see this wonderful account where there's King Cyrus. He's ruling there. And he decides to send the people back into freedom. Ezra 1 says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. So that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and he put it in the writing, and he let the people return. A pagan secular king, Cyrus, fulfilled the will of God. How? Because the Lord stirred in his heart. It is our God who is sovereign over the affairs of our world. The, the fourth truth I would have you focus on is this. God works for the oppressed at all times. Psalm 103.6 says, We know God works righteousness and justice for those who are oppressed. Now, th- there's a whole conversation going on broadly about oppression, justice, righteousness. But let's think about this. Ukrainians fleeing from their homeland because an evil tyrant is oppressing them literally. And we would be wrong if we thought God is incompetent to address it or that God has forgotten them. God's word says that God works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. It is not lost on the mind of God of what's happening in Ukraine. Fifth, God grants authority to the government. Now you might be wondering, what sort of role should other governments have in situations like this? Are we justified in hoping that Vladimir Putin's reign comes to an end? Are we okay if nations rise up in defense? Romans 13 tells us that, yes, in fact, God has given authority to the government. Romans 13 says this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now listen to what he says is the role of the government in verse 3 in part. Chapter 13 of verse 3 of Romans says, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear for the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he, the government, the authority, is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Very simply put, who is the wrongdoer in our moment of history right now? It it is Vladimir Putin and his oppression of the Ukrainians. And as other nations look to seek to get involved, we can say, yes, this is a God-given role to other righteous leaders on the global landscape that says this is wrong that he is doing and we are the avenger 
who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Governments can certainly take that too far. They can rebel against the God-given authority that they have. They can rebel against God and his ultimate authority. But when nations rise up and defend those who are being oppressed and they take out evil rulers who are doing wrong on a global scale, they are swinging the sword that the Lord God has given to them. These are just a few things. Goodness, these are these are nothing that will be earth-shattering. But hopefully they're good reminders to you as things happen on a global landscape that God has power over the nations. God has purpose in history. God is sovereign over political affairs. God is working for the oppressed. And God grants authority to government to do what is right. Because of these things, my final encouragement to you is this. God says, do not fear. Luke 12, 32 says, Do not be afraid, O little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You hear the encouraging words about God there as our Father? It is our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. How joyful He is, how generous He is, how caring He is. There are people, and the brothers and sisters in Christ, who are feeling the effects of of this political moment in history more severely than others. It is God's good pleasure to give them the kingdom. If God has promised to give us the kingdom, why would we be anxious as though he doesn't exist? There's a world beyond this one that the Lord has promised to bring us to. And we can take heart that no matter what happens in this life, it's happening under the sovereign, ordaining plan of God for His ultimate glory and and our ultimate good. And so we pray for grace to walk by faith and not by sight. Friends, I hope this is encouraging to you. God has power over the nations. He has purpose in history. He's sovereign over political affairs. God works for the oppressed. He gets grants authority to the government. He tells us not to fear. No matter what you see on your news program or read on your computer, let these be the headlines in your hearts and minds that God is working and he's sovereign over it all. Thanks for joining us this week on Creek Talk. There will not be a follow-up session just due to the seriousness of this situation, but do be praying for the Ukrainians. Be praying for the church that is present there. Be praying for government leaders who are there trying to lead and do what is best, and we'll pray they have wisdom. And ultimately, we pray that God will bring glory to himself through it all. Have a good week.